Hello and welcome to Bad Dylan, a bad podcast about Bob Dylan's bad music. Every day for a week we subject ourselves to one abomination of a Dylan record and then discuss our thoughts. I am Nicholas Naoti. I'm breakout star Matt Lawhead. And I am Justin Hickerson. And we are your humble hosts and amateur rock critics. <laughs> today, today we're talking about Knocked Out Loaded from 1986. Released in 1986, Knocked Out Loaded is considered by many to be Dylan's worst album. It's his 24th album following the much maligned Empire Burlesque, which we've yet to do a bad Dylan episode about, but we're going to get there, by God. This was a one-two punch that solidified a palpable low point in Dylan's career, and one year later, he would go on to release the utterly rotten Down in the Groove, which we've discussed. Uh, This album does contain one 11-minute track called Brownsville Girl, which was generally liked by critics. AllMusic.com writes of Knocked Out Loaded, even with songs as interesting as Brownsville Girl, the record follows too many detours to be consistently compelling. And some of those detours wind down roads that are indisputably dead ends. By 1986, such uneven records weren't entirely unexpected by Dylan, but that didn't make them any less frustrating. (laughs) Salon.com called this album a career killer. (laughs) Rolling Stone called this the absolute bottom of the Dylan barrel. It's a real piece of shit, and it's been a bad time listening to it. I did not enjoy this album. I fully expected like an undesirable listening experience, and... The product that I listened to was nonetheless frustra- frustrating. <laughs> it frust- yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating it, to hear from really all aspects, not just because it's Dylan, but because like we've we've all got background in production, some more right. than others. But I know what it takes or what a well-produced album should sound like, and this is not even a well-produced musical <laughs> product. Yes. <clears throat> Nothing about it surprised me at all. And yet it still socked me in the gut like maybe it it did. I'm not sure exactly what I'm saying here except for I got exactly what I was expecting and I was disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> On your production notes, Justin, I totally agree that the album is just, the mixing is just unforgivably bad and I can't understand <laughs> how somebody did such a bad job and that i mean maybe the songs are just so irredeemable that they didn't get a remaster ever but it just still sounds like total garbage shit i mean it's 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 worth noting i don't i I guess you guys were listening on spotify but on the on the physical copy of the record it comes with no production credits there are no credits included (laughs) on the record at all and the front sleeve picture is the exact same as the back sleeve picture picture the whole thing it's such a cheap product from like (laughs) from the start to the finish i mean it's cheap whoever mixed it was like do not put my name on this (laughs) that's the career killer of the album right there that is that is something i wanted to ask it was a career killer uh, for everybody involved (laughs) (laughs) so the album came out in 1986 and i expect uh, compact discs were uh readily available by then and that the album just came out on compact disc and record at the same time right the version i listened to was a ripped version of the cd so I wonder, Justin, you definitely listened to it on record, right? Right. There wouldn't be any difference between the mixings, though, besides just the inherent differences of the format, right? No, no. Just, yeah, purely the, the, the digital mix would not... The only remastering that would have been done would have been from the analog tapes to the digital CD. They wouldn't but have had still, a separate mix. Hmm. That's but still, that often... Like, for example, uh, Blood on the Tracks gets all kinds of remasters all the time. Like, it's been, it's been touched up so many times, and it sounds pristine when you listen to that on, on Spotify or whatever. This album, I think, I mean, it just sounds like dump, the whole thing. And I think it's just not good enough that anybody would ever want to try to redo it and make it sound good. Well, and it's like, a, it, it's like the antithesis for... Uh, um, 
I keep wanting to say Phil Rudd, but that's the drummer for ACDC. Phil Spector. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil Spector with his, you know, his wall of sound in the 60s. This is definitely a wall of sound, but it's just also bad. This is just would be for for I would assume a real daunting task for someone to want to get in and dissect the uh the sound waves here and try and polish this in any way it might just make it sound worse yeah there's a lot of places where and this might say more about me than it does uh uh the album but i noticed in the as i've been listening to this i've been looking at the bob website and looking at the, all the notes and there's a trumpet and a sax player and sometimes they're playing they're both playing on the same track and i can't tell the difference between who is playing what i can't tell the difference between <laughs> the sax or the trumpet and yeah. it always sounds so thin and yeah. just like like they recorded it from like twenty feet away or something, but somehow right. there's no I, reverb. I'm not sure what how they did that. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that it was a real person playing the horns. I just thought they were like synth patches. Yeah, That's they both definitely like. sounded like a, like rudimentary early synth versions of themselves. But no, a, they were just they were just EQ'd all to hell, is what it was. Yeah, <laughs> which is even and, worse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I totally agree, Matt. But like on. Uh, that the horns and stuff all sound like this mucky mess, but on Brownsville girl, you can hear there's a sax solo Mm -hmm. and some idiot put court, like a chorus effect (laughs) on the saxophone, (laughs) which you should never do. I get that. Like I get that it's the eighties where we're able to like throw digital effects on everything, but like, you should never put a fucking chorus on a saxophone part. That's yeah. insane. That is the only time that you can tell what instrument is being played, though, between the trumpet and the sax on the whole album is Brownsville Girl. That's true. That's true. Uh, Justin, you mentioned the cover of the album. Let's yeah. quickly talk about that. It's taken oh. from a, a Pulp Fiction novel called Spicy Adventure Stories. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> That's before calling things uh, spicy. Got like I call things spicy all the time now. Well, I wonder what they meant when they called it spicy. Yeah, it's from like the 1930s or something. I think it it was like dirty. Like it was probably like porn, porn Ooh, book. Maybe. Let's uh, let's hope. Yeah, yeah. So the cover, like, look here. Here's the front cover, and here's the back. No, no track listing, <laughs> no credits. It just says Bob Dylan knocked out loaded. You turn it around, Bob Dylan knocked out loaded. <laughs> also, yeah, I mean, whoever was tasked with converting this image from a Pulp Fiction novel into an album cover just really shit the bed too. It's <laughs> it's so ugly. Like I can't yeah. think of an. I was trying to think of an uglier album cover, and I just can't think of anything. It's so bad to look at, listener. Google Bob Dylan knocked out loaded. Do a Google image search. Just look at the album cover because it is as rotten as the album is. And that's something I kind of think about. Try and go through logically as I'm sitting there with nothing better to do than listen to Knocked Out Loaded for the seventh time. Oh man, I went on some crazy tangents this week. I got to tell you guys, I got some stories to tell. Well, just on the cover though, I was thinking about this uh, the other day where it's a bad version. It's like whatever the cover was. If they did a great job converting it and the cover just looked that bad, why use that cover? If the cover looked okay and the guy converted it poorly, I still ask the question, why use that cover? Like, if there's any point along the chain where something looked that bad, but the product actually was good enough to use, but the source material was that bad, surely there was plenty of other images, 30s pulp novels if you wanted to go that route. In a way, the cover is awesome in that it communicates to you how bad the album is. Like, if you saw this in a record store, you would not buy it. <laughs> it is. That is something that that this album, to its credit, this album is consistent. From the moment you look at it, don't judge a book by a cover. Go ahead. Judge a book by <laughs> yeah. cover. There is no false advertising <laughs> in this at all. Right. No. There's not much thought put into it. <laughs> Nobody participating here really cared about this product yeah. at all. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Dylan Nuts that I knew as a young Dylan Nut 
talk about these fabled, like, unforgivably bad. It was like, can't be that bad. No. You know? they, like, they listening are. to it, it's like, it's actually even worse than I assumed it would be. <laughs> Although, I, I've seen it mentioned where they call it, uh, like, uh, the Rolling Stones called it the career killer. I've seen it listed as his worst album. And we were just talking about this uh, before we started, but is it, do you guys really think it's his worst album? Because I thought it was not as offensive as Down in the Groove or Saved, personally. But... I actually was listening back through Down in the Groove recently for podcast editing purposes, and it is, it's worse, I think. It's fucking bad. I think it really depends on the context of when the listener is listening. That's true. Because Down in the Groove is really bad. There's a reason I picked that to be the first one, the, the first episode, because it's a really good if nothing else, it's a good pl- way to introduce yourself to the world of really bad Bob Dylan. Yeah. One thing I can say to this album's credit is that it is mostly not boring blues rock, which seems to be all of Dylan's music from this period is like just dull <laughs> electric dad blues. And uh, I just can't abide any of that anymore. And to, to this album's credit, it's like only the first song is that, right? But it sure put me in a sour mood when it opened with that, though. I mean, I was ready. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I have always just detested the sound of that that stereotypical 80s electric drum set. that <laughs> Just the real papery, tinny stuff. And it kicks off with the first song with that. And the shit only gets more obnoxious as the <laughs> album goes on. By the time we get to what, whatever track number Drifting Too Far From Shore is, it's like that. that <laughs> That's three. I don't know what that. Af- God, <laughs> it's just so, so bad. Yeah, it's it's rotten. So, I was, it's just too much. It gives me a headache. One thing I was thinking about <laughs> is imagine being a hardcore Dylan fan in the 60s. And then feeling this, like, you were like, yes, Bob Dylan is my favorite musician, which tens of thousands of people were, I'm sure. And then feeling a sense of obligation (laughs) to listen to all of these albums. Mm -hmm. It just would be such a tragedy every time a new one comes out. I mean, it it was only a few years before this that Dylan released, like, Blood on the Tracks and Desire, which I think are really, really good albums. And then he's just shitting out these shit ass <laughs> albums like for yeah, years on yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is less than a decade after Street Legal, which I think is a great album. Yeah. Just like what happened, man. Our Patreon subscribers will know the good albums from this time period, because they were there were a lot of good albums. So subscribe to our Patreon. And support the podcast, and you can hear our favorite albums from this time period, because interestingly, there are some good ones. Um, So let's dig right into the track list, guys. Let's talk about song number one, You Want to Ramble. This is, uh, he starts this album out with a good old Forgettable Dad Blues song (laughs) with terrible, terrible production. It's a rambling song about rambling. (laughs) Yeah, um, it sure is. I think I'm repeating myself, but yeah, when the when the album starts out, and I listened to it the first time, and I heard that so generic, forgettable dad blues rock sound, I was actually mad a little bit. I thought maybe this would be an interesting, and it, it, luckily it's the, the only track that sounds like that for the most part, but. I was just mad. I was like, I do not want to listen to... I forgot. Actually, I think I have in my notes. I forget now that he was a singer-songwriter in the 60s. I think Bob Dylan's just a generic blues rock artist. <laughs> yeah, I totally know what you mean. He, he is definitely uh, aimless, it seems. There is absolutely n- no direction like of complete lack of vision. Right. Just like uh, some of the other albums we've reviewed, I feel like the first few seconds here are very representative of the very shitty sound of this album. (laughs) The production is just so yucky, and you can tell right away what you're in for when you turn this song on. 
Um, there's also a moment about two minutes into the song where it sounds like they had two ideas for a solo, like a guitar solo, neither of which are especially memorable or good, and they just opted for both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, I note on the backup singers, though, they're present on every track, right? And they sound exactly the same to me on every track. They're really the only like familiar thing that runs throughout the entire album for me. That's a good point. And also, it seems like the backup singers seem to be given a lot of agency, for creative decisions and i'd say that because of some of the weird things that they do on this album there's a lot of really off the cuff weird stuff that the backup singers did like whispering like whispering and like yelling and screaming and like out out of the it's it's unusual i'll say that. <laughs> yeah great uh, so this one ended up being like this album like and i'm gonna repeat myself from the last episode too a lot because the this one and the last one felt so forgettable i have to i can't even remember any of the track titles as they come except for a couple and you want to ramble even though he says it so many times i have to every time look and see what's the name of that song oh you want to ramble yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is this is maybe the worst song on the album. There's nothing especially offensive about it, but it's just very dull and gray. Uninspired. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, moving along, let's talk about They Killed Him. This is a real doozy. This is a real doozy. It's especially <laughs> bad to listen to. Um, the production is just so muddy. You can barely understand what he's singing. I noticed later like it, nothing stands out. And then um, the elephant in the song happens most of the way through. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the ch- Dude, there is an inexplicable, uninvited, completely unnecessary half chorus of children's <laughs> And it sounds so bad. I mean, no offense to those kids, but it's, it sounds so bad. It's unreal. It's unbelievable, man. I can't believe it. The fact that they chose to have the children's choir like just be there up front. They weren't accompanying Bob. <laughs> no, just it's inexplicably for his front second. and center. Man, it blows my <laughs> mind that this that someone signed off on this shit. Uh, it just really caught me off guard, and I can't emphasize enough how terrible it is. <laughs> That's right, like, at the belly of the song, from top to bottom. I mean, like, in the first couple lines of the song, the the background singer clearly doesn't know the words to the song, which we also encountered on Down in the Groove. True, yeah, true. But this person does not know the words and is singing like noticeably out of tune. <laughs> yeah, oh man, is having a hard is having a hard time following along and does not know the words. When I heard that children's choir. I remembered this Reddit post I saw years ago about this thing called the un the most unwanted song. Do you guys do you guys know about this? Mm-mm. No. No. Okay, so this neuroscientist did this huge poll and like found out what listeners dislike hearing the most in music and made a song of it and it's called the most unwanted song which you can google and like listen to it or you can hear it on spotify or whatever but children's choir is like one of the big things that people hate hearing in music and it's it incorporates all these musical elements that are annoying to most people including bagpipes cowboy music an opera singer rapping and a children's choir. That's amazing. Which, what an amazing eclectic mix of. The, I can't wait to hear that after this. Uh, oh man, yeah, give it a I listen. I'll the- play a little cut of it in the podcast right here. I feel like it's not that too far away from what we're listening to here on Knocked Out Loaded, honestly. (laughs) 
Well, I read a, I can't remember what review it was, but someone suggested that this album wasn't so much a release of new music as it was something to just accompany his tour for that year, something to sell. Mm. Oh, man, yeah, that makes sense. You're going to sell your fans this, and you know they're going to buy it. You're right. Like, you're kind of a jerk. <laughs> you know? I will say, the Children's <laughs> Choir might just take the cake for me and make this the worst song on the album for me. But I did check out, it's a cover of a Chris Christopherson song, and that uh, version of the song is really good. I yeah, really like yeah. It. And there's a, and Chris Christopherson's version is a lot more tolerable. The song in general is hokey to me. It's hokey, sure, yeah. It just really irritates me. The whole song is just like a this just is, a tooth grinder. This is a really <laughs> bad one. It's hard to pick the worst song on this album, but this is a definite contender. Um, the the uh, horn line on this song is just so pedestrian. It's like... And then at the end, it sounds like at the end, like somebody just goes off and it's like, <laughs> I have a couple notes on this one I just wanted to bring up. Uh, first of all, at BobDylan.com, I'm surprised you didn't see my tweet about it because I know Bob Dylan's watching us. Uh, <laughs> they spelled Mahatma Gandhi wrong on the first line. He, he just says, Mahatma <laughs> yeah, Gandhi, Hatma. And uh, there was a man named Hatma Gandhi. Gandhi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, when I listened to it the first time, I was playing it through speakers, and I was standing a little far away. I thought he said Hotma Gandhi, so my guess is some poor intern was just given the task to <laughs> yeah. transcribe the lyrics in one go or whatever, and he's like, Hotma Gandhi, blah, 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 you know, no one ever looked at it again. Also, the other note is he uh, Bob Dylan has played this live exactly zero times. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what Chris Christopherson. Thought of this. <laughs> oh man, he was like, "Yeah, um, it's really, really good. Thanks." But, uh, yeah. the, the idea of this being like something to accompany a tour, though, it's just interesting that a lot of these songs he played zero times. Not even on the tour where he was trying to shill this uh, cynical cash grab. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's that's a good point. <laughs> a real good point. <laughs> God. it's like bob dylan caricaturing himself like this is him doing his own russian ripoff bootleg <laughs> yeah. of himself yeah. you know? Here, here's some garbage <laughs> man spe speaking of garbage the next song drifting too far from shore i just feel like these first three songs are just aggressively bad um this is another one where where Dylan has this idea for a chorus, and then almost all the lyrics are just that one line over and over and over. Like most of his songs from this time period, is like, I came up with this idea for a chorus. Let's just say that over and over, and then I'll work around it a little bit. There's some questionable lyrics in this one, too. Dude, the lyrics on this song are absolutely baffling. Oh, yeah. I never could guess your weight, baby. Never needed to call you my whore. I always thought you were straight, baby, but you're drifting too far from shore. What does what that even fuck? mean? What? <laughs> holy smokes, boss. Holy smokes. In the, in the line right before that, he says, no gentleman likes making love to a servant. Especially right. in his father's what? house. What is going is on? Is that like... Is that some Bible shit? I yeah. tried to reverse Google that and couldn't find anything in the Bible to that effect. Or, or maybe some some vague stinking like reference to some kind of uh, folk tradition, you know, in song about servants. I don't know. But it's combined with this like 80s electronic feeling song almost, which is just, yeah. it's a testament to the fact that Dylan was not ready for the 80s. <laughs> yeah. It's just so <laughs> doofy sounding. Yeah. I have a, that. this is the, this gets my goofy award on this. This is the goofiest sounding track on the whole album for me. Easy. Man, it's brutal. It's brutal. The snare is just so stupid sounding and it's the, by far the loudest thing in the mix like louder than the vocals or anything i can't emphasize enough how loud and stupid the drums are on this song i didn't know that you'd be a leader oh you thought you were talking 
They, they make a lot of this same sound or same style sound on Graceland, which was released around the same time. That's you true, know? actually, yeah. But it's just so much more tastefully done. She looked me over and I guess she thought I was all I right. detest the sound of the snare drum on Graceland as well, but Graceland's a great album. This <laughs> is not. It's just a <laughs> yeah. poor application of poor taste. Yeah. The whole thing. I hate it. Thank you. I hate it. There's another really weird fade out on this one, which I know we've talked about in previous episodes, where it feels like the song is entering a new section, but then the song just immediately fades out. And I feel like the producers on these albums are just making up for something really horrendous. So they're like, fade out right here, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. This song, listen to this song throughout the week. Um, I started to get this impression, and this might be an obvious uh, thing that a lot of Dylan files know about. But uh, on this one, I started to get this mental image of Bob Dylan being like really sore about just about every single one of his romances. You know, like he's like, he always leaves a, a, a lover kind of angry and felt like he was cheated or jilted in some way and he has such like just like kind of angry sad sounding songs it's worth noting that like even in his earlier albums bob's um frustrated love songs his breakup Mm -hmm. songs are very seldom sad he doesn't write sad songs he does write mad songs positively (laughs) fourth street is a seething mad song you know uh most likely you go your way and i'll go mine yeah i mean they're all just like you know go get bent you know whatever and this is and this is like a midlife crisis version of that he's (laughs) just Kernerveling at everyone, but to say like you're drifting too far from shore is like so self righteous. It's like I don't know. It's on track with that saved shit where he's like judging and scolding from this like high horse covenant woman. Yeah, but then we're treated to what Bob Dylan fans had been clamoring for since his inception, and that was his breakthrough, <laughs> breakout, break into the reggae genre yeah everybody (laughs) wanted a bob dylan (laughs) reggae song yeah (laughs) this is this is ultimate dylan here this is the uh the the pinnacle of of dylan he heard his fans he heard what his fans were wanting (laughs) he read up on the mailing list and he was like man they all just want me to get into reggae well we'll do a little test sample here and um Enter, enter Precious Memories, <laughs> yeah. the, the Bob Dylan reggae song that everyone wanted to hear. A reggae song set, set to the uh, melody and lyrics of, of a traditional folk song. Mm-hmm. Pre- this is, this is a, the traditional song, Precious Memories. It's an old gospel song. It has no business on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's just baffling. The whole... <laughs> I ended up liking this song a good bit, mostly because even though it sounded like the most stock uh, steel drum part you could play to any song, I, I like that steel drum sound. And there's no other steel drum in the album, so I appreciate it, it for that. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. I This was one of my favorite tracks on here, but the steel drum solo is just too much. It's like too on the nose. Yeah, I like it's it for just, that reason. I don't know. I was, uh, I was enjoying it for that bad, hokey reason. Even though on paper, a Bob Dylan reggae song is something I philosophically reject <laughs> on principle, I actually really like this song. It's pretty good. I mean, it's not a good song. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like really praising it. I'm comparing it to a whole uh, box of shit. And this is probably like the least shitty smelling turd in the box. Yeah, it's hard for me to have perspective at this point like (laughs) we've listened to so much of this we've spent a whole month of our lives now listening to bad bob dylan records and like so what it like what even is good music i don't know (laughs) yeah is bob dylan a singer songwriter or folk artist no he's a generic blues rock musician that accidentally did a reggae song once (laughs) i go down to the record store in the town that i live in here pretty frequently and uh I'm I'm almost embarrassed when they ask me what I've been listening to lately when we're in the middle of doing one of these. 
<laughs> yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Like, you know, like just chit chatting because I know some of the people that work there. And if they ask, like, you know, what have you been listening to lately or what's up? I'll be like, uh, I'm kind of like balls deep and this like daily listen of a knocked out load. <laughs> I've actually been listening to that it's album a, real, a lot. It's a, <laughs> it's a, yeah, every, every, every day, in fact. It's been quite the chore. That's why, that's why I'm down here to think about other things. Yeah, like you say, once we get here, it's hard to it's hard to get a grip of what this album is supposed to be because the first three songs are all pretty distinct to themselves and they, they're just seemingly getting like worse and worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, like they were really like going like, like the exponential growth thing. This is where we plunge into the belly of the beast here. <laughs> like, yeah. We've been cruising on some bad shit. But like right now, we're going full bore <laughs> right. into the bad stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. really taking off. In right a way, now. <laughs> it's comforting to know that this is the worst of the worst. Like, I don't know. We're, it's all uphill from here, right? I don't know. <laughs> I told you guys about the most unwanted song, and I, in my, I was like, I heard the children's choir on that one song, and I was like remembering this reddit post from a long time ago and in my googling trying to find the most unwanted song i found this wikipedia article called list of music considered the worst nice, that nice. really blew my mind which i would encourage everybody to look it up um no bob dylan at all made the cut interestingly and i think that's just because most people have never listened to this shit that we're <laughs> listening to but and like some huge huge pop hits are on there like who let the dogs out i agree with that Dong song yeah yeah i mean they're they're bad it's bad shit but like barbie girl you know by uh, aqua yeah i don't know i've never hated that song it's it's weird but yeah. i don't know Matt, you'll be happy to know that both Friday by Rebecca Black mm. and Chinese Food by Allison oh, Gold are on there. Yes, of course they are. Thank you very much. That means it's leg- your favorite music. That means it's legitimate. Uh, the the list is is really well researched. I felt really validated in seeing We Built This City by Starship on there because that confirms my opinion that that song is total dog shit. (laughs) It's not very good. (laughs) I agree. It's very popular. I don't know. It's on the radio all the time, right? I think I hear it more in advertisements, maybe. I'm not sure. Mm. I don't know. Of course, the Lou Reed and Metallica project Lulu was on there, which if you haven't heard that, it's worth a couple minutes just for how profoundly bizarre it is. It's just the the worst shit. Like, it's so bad. I was thinking pretty glory when things got pretty gory as I crossed to the Brandenburg Gate. I was feeling snappy. Perhaps I'd been napping if I'd just stayed. On that list, though, I found this Elvis Presley compilation called Elvis's Greatest Shit, <laughs> which is a extremely funny listen. It's a real tour de force of ill-conceived, problematic, chauvinist horse shit. And his, his version of Old MacDonald <laughs> is just a wild ride. I would recommend listening to that. Old MacDonald. He's like frenzied and coked out and you can hear him like panting and sweating and like yelling old mcdonald i'm gonna have a fun someday and i'll do things mcdonald's way with a cluck cluck here a cluck cluck there a moo moo here a moo moo there on a white knock here and a white knock there speaking of old mcdonald i think phil collins did a version of old mcdonald as well that's pretty funny really yeah i think he goes up a step in the key every time every verse too so by the end of it he's a pretty high-pitched phil collins going at uh old mcdonald it's pretty good that sounds maddening (laughs) it's pretty good Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O And on that farm he had a cow, E-I-E-I-O With a moo-moo here and a 
There's also an insane song called Confidence where Elvis is singing with a bunch of little kids and it like keeps stepping up and up and up like like that one song from Saved that just keeps amping it up every all the time yeah. that just was like yeah, yeah, miserable yeah. to listen to. With a C and an O and a N and a F and a I and a D and a S. I'm thinking maybe we should do an episode about Elvis's greatest shit one day once we run out of that Bob Dylan album. <laughs> so moving along, let's talk about Maybe Someday. This is another one that sort of sounds like all of Dylan's gospel-esque music of this period. Um, I just want to point out quickly how crazy this song kicks off. The first two <laughs> seconds are just total chaos. People screaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Someday. And there are five blistering verses in this song. He seems to be just rambling incoherently. He sounds spiteful to me. He's like, maybe you'll maybe someday you'll be satisfied. Like, yeah, I can't tell if he's like e- like pre you know before emo was a thing. I can't tell if he's emo cry singing or wine singing. Is he screaming? <laughs> oh, there's also you know? that really doofy backup vocal part near the end that's like, yeah. <laughs> Which is bad. It's so bad. <laughs> I don't have anything good or really anything to say about this one. I, again, it's not good. It's so forgettable. The only thing that I can really say about this is at the beginning, that uh, you already said, it starts chaotically. It feels like it's going to fall apart at any second for like the first several seconds. And then once it does stabilize, it stabilizes into something you don't want. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, very true. Um, there's there's some lyric about people wanting something for nothing in here, which I feel like is very characteristic to this time in Dylan's career. I, I don't know what informed this, but in a lot of these albums, I've noticed there's a lot of songs where he's just bitching about how everyone's lazy and wants money for nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very funny. Uh, yeah, all these like passive, like but overt jabs at women yeah calling them whores ugliest girl in the world (laughs) god knows you ain't pretty from whatever whatever track that was it's like fuck man it's like he's just really letting it all out yeah (laughs) blowing blowing some steam there is one pretty spiteful line near the end that I do like where he says, I'm just as happy as you, baby. I just can't say it so well. For some reason, I, I like that. It reminds me of like, uh, say you break up with a partner and then you see how great they're doing on social media and that they happen to be posting just like they're having the best life and you're maybe sitting in your garage recording a podcast uh, about something you don't want to be doing <laughs> and not having such a great time. But they're just off, like, just having the world on a platter with a really attractive guy who is smarter and more attractive than you. Um, But I'm happy, too, you know? That's relatable. I'm happy. I just can't, I just don't show it off so great, you know? That's kind of how I take it. Justin, to your point about his weird misogynistic lyrics in all of these albums, like, I feel like a lot of things from the 80s or earlier, you can, like, kind of write it off like oh it's a product of its time like you can justify its existence by saying that it it needs to be judged based on the societal norms of that period but like these actually these lyrics are just like actually despicable (laughs) right like he said them on purpose (laughs) like if there was one thing he was trying to do was piss someone off like there was a someone some some of these lines were directed at yeah. right even by the standards of the time these are pathetic lyrics and like d- pretty despicable yeah they're mean <laughs> yeah yeah uh okay well moving <laughs> along <laughs> are we moving on to brownsville girl let's talk here? about brownsville girl this is the one yeah. song on this album that critics seem to like it made the cut for bob dylan's greatest hits volume three which i'm curious to listen to yeah, because three. a lot of the tracks that we know from these albums are on there it seems but it does seem like they were really scraping the barrel for for tracks for that one this would have been lumped into you know 
this could have been a bad album itself. We it's, know Silvio the, is on there. We know there's a track from Saved on there. Um, and I actually think there's songs from Blood on the Tracks on there, which to me, Blood on the Tracks is about as good as it gets for Bob Dylan. I love that album. Really? Yeah, that's my favorite Dylan album. That came out the same year as Planet Waves, which is uh, Planet Waves he did with Asylum Records. And he did that album with the band. And then the next year he did Blood on the Tracks with Columbia again. Blood on the uh, Tracks and Planet Waves are awesome. Both really good in my book. They're just... They're just so vastly different. I love Planet Waves. So we ought to do. Bra- yeah, our Patreon listeners will know the good albums from this time <laughs> period. Um, sorry about that. Uh, this song, Brownsville Girl, I'm actually pretty into it. It's a pretty. It's a high point for this album. I actually really like this song. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. Not. It's my favorite oh. song on the album. Oh, but I no. feel really stressed. I feel stressed when it comes on because. It marks this critical moment in the album where I'm aware that I'm nearing the end, but I also know that this song is 11 minutes long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is track one on the B side of the record. So everything up to this point is your A track. So you get an intermission and you flip the record and it kicks off with this. And it's like, God, it just keeps going. You guys don't like Brownsville Girl? (laughs) I don't like Brownsville Girl. I don't know what the critics were thinking. It's just a really? it's just a stream of consciousness. Yeah. Uh, I'm putting quotes, air quotes, epic about him liking Gregory Peck movies and whatever else he's talking about. I don't know. I don't know what he'd care what he's talking about. There's a Brownsville girl that uh, has some nice teeth. Yeah, I don't care for this uh, song at all. I did one of my listens with uh, my fiance Laura, and she was like, "What is this song about?" <laughs> And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Actually, <laughs> I'd listened to it a lot and read all the lyrics by that point. <laughs> which, by the way, there are one thousand one hundred fourteen words in this song. <laughs> <laughs> I've got on my <laughs> what I I put for this song is the ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest. Two decades and too many tabs of bad acid later. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder if Gregory Peck knows about the song and what he thought about it. <laughs> Is Gregory Peck a real person? Because I assumed so, but I did not even bother to Google it. Oh yeah, I thought he was a yeah, I thought he was a famous. Actor. Was it in that movie that he slept through twice? I don't remember who I was or where I was bound. Once again, I just want to point out that the decision to put a chorus effect on the saxophone is just flagrant, ill-conceived 1980s overproduction. No (laughs) saxophone should ever have a chorus effect on it, you idiots. Do you guys think he? Uh, do you guys think he got all one thousand one hundred fourteen words correct when he sang it the one live time he performed it? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they came out and did the encore. He just rambled until everyone left. <laughs> I forget the words. Just say Gregory Peck or Brownsville Girl. This song reminds me of. Have you ever seen that clip? It's Elvis later in his career, clearly spun out, drunk. And like high, singing "Are You Lonesome Tonight," and it just cuts to him just babbling. The world's a stage, and each must play a part. That's what this sounds like. 11 minutes of that. (laughs) (laughs) One really weird thing about this track is the backup singers like gasping and screaming and saying like, Oh man. Yeah. yeah, Reaction singing. Weird. The reaction singing is very strange. The desired effect is like they were trying to recreate 
it was supposed to sound like this was all yeah. spontaneously happening. Or he's telling a story to people and there's women reacting to it, I guess. Or And people are reacting That's to it, weird. right. He's in a room full of people having this. Uh, no. Oh, For the podcast God. listeners, I'm no. shaking my head no right now. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I'm with you, Matt. I do not understand why there's any critical uh, acclaim for this song. Uh, late in the song on this track, Dylan sings, if there's an original thought out there, I could use it right now, which seems like a like a brief moment of self-awareness uncharacteristic to this period in his career. Yeah, it's a little on the nose, I think, for sure. I actually think this is about as good of a song and recording as Dylan could have possibly put out in this time of his career. I, I actually like it. I would recommend people check out Brownsville Girl. And I would disagree with that. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna give you a hard, a hard disagree. <laughs> although, although I'm just now learning this here that uh, Will Oldham, aka Bonnie Prince Billy, did a cover of this song in 2012. Oh, that's that awesome! I'm gonna look up later. Yeah. I can't wait. To I will hear look it. that up. I would recommend looking that up. <laughs> this is way off off topic here, but Will Oldham is wonderful for any of our listeners who are not aware of Will Oldham or his moniker, Bonnie Prince Billy. Plug. Yeah. Anyway, to back, to um, back, back to I was going to say, you say this is about as good as he could have released for the time, and I would disagree and say it's the next track because it's not him playing it. It's Tom Petty and I presume the Heartbreakers playing all the music in it, and it sounds... Much better. It sounds like miles ahead of everything else as far as like arrangements and how all the instruments sound and the quality of the playing. Sure. For got my mind made up. Yeah, it is. It's good. That song is co-written by Tom Petty, though I I wouldn't have known. It's not especially good, in my opinion. What does co? How do you co-write a song like this? Were they just trading lines, verses? Yeah, I bet. Uh, I bet Bob wrote the first two times. He says, "I got my mind made up," and then Tom Petty wrote the other three <laughs> times. He said, "I got my mind made up." <laughs> There's a moment in the song where Bob shouts and his voice cracks, and it's just the funniest sound. Yeah. Also, at one point, uh, one of the backup vocalists just does a little ad lib that's very silly. She's like, oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. You know what? God bless her. Hey, did you yeah. hear my... I'm down for that. I had, a, I had a, a, a vocal solo in a Bob Dylan song in 1986. <laughs> yeah. Beyond Brownsville, girl, I have a hard time digesting anything. I'm just spent by the end of that song. So I totally sure, agree. Yeah. After song six, it's just like nothing else matters. We're done. Which is unfortunate because really got my mind made up with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers playing the backing track to that. If you listen with headphones, there's so much more interesting quality playing going on than the rest of the album. Yeah. But you don't want to hear it until because you just got done with Brownsville Girl. Right. But then you go on and you hear the last track, Under Your Spell. The bass track on this one sounds like someone just ran through it one time like you heard yeah. someone learning this song there are times where the bass player sounds bored and he throws in ad libs that sound like that kid next door that got a bass guitar for christmas four months ago <laughs> mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and uh, and and the fact that he he does drop the album title into the lyrics of this song might be the most artistic thing he does on this album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or have the most artistic depth. I would argue that the thing with the most artistic depth on this album is the weird vibing that the backup singers are doing on a lot of these songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though it's not good, uh, it is unique. And that on this song, again, there's some kind of weird, unintelligible whispering coming from them, which I'm pretty sure it's not like planned out and intentional yeah this song really blows i get why they put it last <laughs> i get yeah. why they put it i mean last. it is kind of appropriate because by the by this time it the, the last song is very slow and woozy feeling and i definitely feel that way too by the end of the album. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Super over it. Yeah. Just, just let them down easy. 
that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah. That's the that is that is Bob Dylan's worst album. Congratulations, <laughs> listener. Yeah. <laughs> you did it. I wanna say this project, this podcast, Bad Dylan, is an interesting study in familiarity because as we grow to know what Bob Dylan's music sounds like from this time period, it weirdly doesn't sound quite as bad as it did before. Yeah, if this is his worst album, they'd never listen to Saved or Down the Groove. And those are the only two other bad albums that I can reference this to before we finish out the rest of the podcast. But those two are, are way worse, in my opinion, than this is. Well, and there's also uh, the notion of shock absorption. When I was younger and had like only just started to be enthusiastic about Bob Dylan, and I heard these like I was like listening to Freewheeling, the times they are a changing, Highway 61, and to me that's what like Bob Dylan was. I didn't know anything else. I had no other point of reference, and to hear something like this. Like, without any backdrop or any reference to the decades that separated those, you know? Yeah. It would have been hard to uh, appreciate, I guess, like you said, Nick. It doesn't sound as bad. Right. And dare I say, I've come to, like, really actually love these <laughs> these records as we listen to them. Yeah. Love them for all, all of their badness. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, honestly... Precious Memories and Brownsville Girl, I think are good songs. I remember Silvio as being really good, like from uh, whatever album that was on. And it's like it's like how the music from your childhood can be very nostalgic and thus beloved, even if it's total shit. Like when I when I was like four, I had a Jimmy Buffett uh, CD. I think that I listened to a lot. So I just have a special spot in my heart for Jimmy Buffett. You know, even though it's not good music, right? Even upon the listen, I never really didn't enjoy the album Saved. I, in fact, like thought it was a wonderful, you know. But <laughs> it's kind of good. But as we yeah. as 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 we mentioned, I don't know about that. that. Uh, in that podcast, I was kind of raised in a religious music environment, so it's really easy for me to detach overtly religious content from its song. And those songs are fun. They're hokey, but you can dance to him. They're still he's still like young. They're fresh. He's like energized about Jesus. <laughs> you know? He's like, I read I read like one fourth of the Bible one time and I'm all pumped up on Jesus now. Or he read the one Bible quote in the album in the liner notes or whatever that has nothing to do with the album itself, and he's like, I'm a Christian now. <laughs> See? <laughs> I know how to pick a quote out of the Bible. I wanna go ahead and pivot to our reviews from the internet. Uh, before we get there, though, I've, this is completely unrelated to Bob Dylan or this album, but I just wanted to share this review of a leave-in conditioner I found this week. <laughs> um, Amazon user Colin writes, I now smell like a 40-plus-year-old male who wears a full track suit just about everywhere, including nice restaurants. This product <laughs> is an excellent gift if you or the man in your life has masculinity more fragile than a pack of saltines left open for three days. <laughs> I can practically hear this product yelling homophobic slurs at me every time I open the container and telling me that I'm not a real man. <laughs> That's amazing. That's really great. <laughs> it's really impressive on a on an editorial yeah. level. Uh, while I question some of colin's use of metaphor here <laughs> yeah. i just want to applaud his writing i i really wish you could sort amazon reviews by the lowest rating like i wish you could sort products by the worst reviews <laughs> yeah. so like i just right. i just love bad reviews of things <laughs> anyway speaking of which let's hear some bad reviews of knocked out loaded uh, i have one ready to go if uh, if you want me to take the lead here this is i'm gonna get the name wrong because it's originally japanese but uh chako chan uh gave it uh, this album one out of five stars and his review roughly translates to header why are you asking me this and then he goes on to say it's like a white flag it's like a three-day moon, and it's pretty good. It's totally boring. It's <laughs> day talk. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it is like a three-day moon. I mean, he's spot on I about know. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's totally boring. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Uh, all music user Evan Lub Lublinski writes, 
All the listener can really do is endure this stage of Dylan's development and hope for a better phase to follow it. While it's certainly possible to search for the elusive merits contained in this work, this is hardly a rewarding occupation and should be left to the diehard Dylan fans who refuse to acknowledge that any of Zimmerman's <laughs> albums contain a single flaw. <laughs> Thus, more reasonable Dylan fans would do well to keep their exposure to this period at a minimum, preparing for the disappointment that will likely follow his next transition into a new era. Evan has a great point. Um, nobody should be listening to this music. I, I, I love that I've, you know, I've long considered myself a, a, a Dylan fan, a big Dylan fan. You guys have known me for a long, I've, I've, I love Bob Dylan, you know? This whole, like, this is like some next level stuff. I've never heard these terms like Dylan completionist. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know, 100%. But the, these are like widely used yeah. terms. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> just like, this is like, it's like a, it's like a term of endearment. You know? yeah. right. It's like, this need not be left for beginners. This is a completionist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know? He says in the middle He's, there, while it's certainly possible to search for the elusive merits contained in the work this is hardly a rewarding occupation <laughs> which is like actually our literal occupation yeah. right now yeah and he's right he's out, there's nothing rewarding about it at all <laughs> yeah the, the wording on that was very elegant i like what was that person's name shout out man. <laughs> shout out your- all music user evan lublinski <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> Stone said, and this isn't very funny. This is just uh, how I feel about it, too. Uh, Bob must have been not. Oh, he gave it two out of five uh, stars. And he said, Bob must have been knocked out or loaded when making this album. I love the two out of five. Those are often the best because it's like you kind of tried to like it. You wanted you to. <laughs> you don't totally hate it, yeah. but yeah. I got one here from Nick Doriso. Here on uh, somethingelsereviews.com. Ooh, someone's getting a hold of me. Uh, Bob Dylan's wrong-headed, knocked-out-loaded was almost saved by the epic Brownsville Girl. There's always something redeemable about a Bob Dylan album, no matter its other wrong-headed missteps. Proof comes in the form of Brownsville Girl from 1986, otherwise entirely forgettable, knocked-out-loaded. This hallucinogenic cowboy odyssey might be the only thing to recommend from a confusingly constructed, justifiably forgotten album project. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I got a rate your music user Leif T writes, astonishingly dull and without a single good song. This is Dylan at his most astray and confused. If you heard this and had no passing knowledge of the guy, you would never guess his potential for greatness. Even the fan-favorite Brownsville girl, typically exempt from the harshest critical thrashings, does very little to win me over. (laughs) If nothing else, it makes Dylan the only artist I've encountered who made an entire album of five-star tracks and one of all one-star tracks. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I agree with I agree with his sentiment a lot. I, I appreciate that one. Yeah, totally. I mean, Blood on the Tracks is a fucking perfect album. This is just a few years later and <laughs> about as bad as music as it I've ever heard. Um, I got this one here, and the reason it's not very funny, but the reason why I put it on here is because it's interesting to me. The schwa uh, gave it three out of five stars, so I would consider that a generable like, you know. You enjoy the album for the most sure, part. Sure, sure, sure. And then it goes on to so it says it's okay because it has Brownsville Girl, which is a wonderful tale with so so arrangement. Rest of album is almost unlistenable. Yes, unlistenable. So this person loved either loved Brownsville Girl so much that it brought the whole album out of sludge into a three star review. Or what what else could that mean? I don't know. How can does Brownsville go really save the whole album like that? Possibly they were just um, refusing to comment in the form of a star review on any of the other things, dismissing them as non-musics, <laughs> and gave Brownsville Girl a three. Well, that, there you go. There you go. <laughs> that makes sense right there. Excellent thesis. I put a little paragraph in my notes uh, here. I'll just read them off. J-Boy giving his own review. Yes, here. Uh 
Very forgiving album in that it is only eight tracks long, but what a lousy eight tracks. This album for me is the epicenter of Bob Dylan gone totally off course. AWOL. No clear vision whatsoever. The inspiration behind these songs all seem to come from a very shallow place and sound as if they were crafted by a team that was assembled to fulfill an obligatory contractual album. There's absolutely no soul here. This album is hardly understandable at best and downright unlistenable at its worst. A lot of hype around this album's predecessor, Empire Burlesque, suggests that most folks folks would say that, that Empire Burlesque is, in fact, Bob's worst album. It is only, in fact, Bob's worst popular album. Not many passive listeners venture on to Knocked Out Loaded or the albums that followed for the next five years or so. With these eight tracks, Bob Dylan reached a point of no return in what would be a very awkward chapter in his career. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. That's, That's good. You should That's put that I, up that, on RateYourMusic.com. Now, what star, what star rating is that? Yeah, well, this is, I mean, this is like a... It, What's the lowest? Can I go point five? Like this is one, <laughs> just for just for effort. Like not because I hate Bob Dylan or I hate this album, but just like it deserves the rating for the like the effort that was put into it. Nobody, nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we like we said about down in the groove. I felt that way when I was trying to kind of unpack these songs. It's like at some point you cross that threshold where it was like I care more about the way these songs sound than the people involved in this record. <laughs> yeah, did. yeah right. absolutely. You know, <laughs> got a few more reviews here. Uh, rate your music user Garfield Acres writes some really abysmal shit here. A veritable <laughs> army of session musicians can't prop this up, and Bob has rarely <laughs> sounded so in- uninspired, at least not since his previous album. <laughs> That's pretty juicy. <laughs> yeah, nice remind jab, me, dude. Remind yeah. me of the album right before this one? <laughs> Empire, Empire Burlesque. Burlesque. We're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> Rate your music user Tom Penn writes... If you want to know how a reverb effect sounds when you use way too much of it on a drum set, <laughs> you can listen to this record. Otherwise, stay the hell away. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Tom Penn. Uh, and then I got one glowing review to finish this out from Amazon user John Vance, who writes, I bought this album not recognizing any tracks specifically. I have high expectations for every Dylan album I listen to, and this exceeded them. Oh, wow. Just another gem to any Bob Dylan collection. You really did not need a lot of info on this one. Just know it's amazing. Oh, man. Uh What a blatant lie. Some of the five-star reviews are fascinating. Like, who is this person? Who are you, John I mean, I saw a couple five-star reviews that basically went like, it's Bob Dylan. What more do you need? But that's... (laughs) (laughs) Love it, Bob. But uh, yeah, voice yeah. voice of a generation. Great review. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that that guy I genuinely did like it somehow. More power to him. You know? you know. Yeah, you rock, John Vance. We love you, John Vance. We stand. Let's Vance. see if we can get John Vance on the podcast sometime in the future. John Vance, if you're listening, send us an email at Bob Dylan Podcast at Bob Dylan Podcast dot ebiz. Let's move on to our adjectives and wrap it up. Justin Hickerson, what are your three adjectives to describe this album? Sloppy, unlistenable, and uninspired. I did not take that from the review you just had. That was that was one I came up with on my own, and I complete I completely agree. This is devoid of any any reason or logic. This was this. <clears throat> uninspired garbage matt that's my three i have unfocused uh misguided and cynical cash grab being chill cash grab (laughs) those are good those are good descriptions um i had muddy because the production on this album is just unforgivable from a mixing standpoint somebody just fouled this one up big time (laughs) uh also cluttered because everything feels like way more overcomplicated than it needs to be. <laughs> There's no room to breathe. 
And then the last one I came up with is just unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, shaking like as SMH, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Overall, I wouldn't give it a 0.5. I'd give it two vase hits in the head out of five, I think. You'd give it a I'd two? It two only because, uh, boy, I like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Mm, yeah. Would you recommend this album to anybody, nope. Matt Lawhead? <laughs> no. No. I would recommend Brownsville Girl. I'd, I'd advise listening to that if you're deep Dylan head, but otherwise, no, definitely not. Or if you're enthusiastic, I mean, if you're a Bob Dylan <sighs> completionist. Yeah, I just have, I <laughs> yeah. just have such a such an issue with that song. Not even just the song. It's like him. He's like ruining what he's trying to do, which is like, like I've got these like huge long songs. Do you remember that song, Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands? Here's that. It's called Brown-Eyed Girl. Brownsville Girl. <laughs> he doesn't realize he's making fun of himself. Well, what what album did you have? Did you have Shot of Love planned next? Yeah, we're going to be listening to Shot of Love next. We're going to pump the brakes a little bit. Shot of Love is widely regarded as a bad album, but as with Saved, it's much more acceptable production wise and music wise yeah i remember thinking that shot of love was dog shit in high school when i was getting into bob dylan but then recently i listened to it and i was kind of into it maybe it's that stockholm syndrome thing it's definitely it's definitely one worth talking about because there's there are some stinkers on there and it's a confusing album it's also one of Bob Dylan's personal favorite albums. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of Bob Dylan's favorite albums of all time. I'm not sure why one album is more well, well, for instance, they record all my, most of my albums is like, oh, this, that. Like, oh, yeah, well, this one's, well, yeah, because this one was here, this one's here. You know, and this one's here. Oh, yeah, well, this is a logical extension of that. And, uh, oh, well, okay, well, this don't fit in, but this one does, and this is connected to that. And so it all makes sense. Here comes a record like Shot of Love, which don't make sense uh, on, on any kind of that sociological, political, uh, romantic level. That's why, you know, it's people, and people don't, can't relate to it because they, can't, they don't think that way. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Uh, does anybody, anybody have anything they want to plug? Hi, this is breakout star Matt Lawhead from the Bad Dylan podcast, and I just want to let you know that we do have a Patreon where we post amazingly fun tidbits about these albums that we're listening to, and you're going to want to pay a lot of money to get on there. Luckily for you, it doesn't cost very much money at all, so you should go check that out, see what we're shilling on there, and have a great time with us. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to bring all your, jo- uh, all your imagined joys to fruition when you subscribe to our Patreon. It'll save your marriage. We'll also we'll also venture outside of the realm of just bad Bob Dylan and I'll be uploading some personal nerdcore stuff of some of my personal collection. Justin has some deep cuts of Dylan records and you're going to have to be a Patreon subscriber to learn about them. Uh, hey, we got to give a quick shout out to to Daniel Potter who helped make this podcast possible by sending over some much needed money when we were getting this thing launched. So thank you, Daniel Potter. Daniel Potter. Shout out to Daniel Potter. <laughs> DP. Um, this was great. I feel good about this one. That was a good energy. Uh, you guys had a lot of great stuff to say. You put up with me really well. That was, that was good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, great episode. Wow. Another exemplary episode of Bad Dylan. I laughed a lot while I was editing this one. Thanks for listening in. Why don't you take a moment to check out our shitty website, baddylan.com. Also, leave us a nice review on your podcast app. Love ya. We'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>